This is RFC Extra, episode 47. Uh, it's been a little while since we've done one of these. This is our 20, 2010 through uh, 2019 decade in review. Is that a decade? Actually, technically... Well, it is 10 years. I'm not even going to say it. It may or may not be the end of the decade, but we'll keep that between us. So, uh, yeah, what we're going to do is we're just going to talk about some of the biggest items from the last 10 years and uh, how they've impacted Transformers, how they've impacted us, and uh, we'll see where this goes. Uh, where do you guys want to start? Uh, biggest biggest change, biggest news item? Well, I suppose the biggest change would be winning BotCon. I, oh, I, I wasn't yeah. going to say that. I was going to say the biggest change is the changeover to the, the new design team. And like Aaron Archer uh, no longer being the head of Transformers, I think that's been the biggest change. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd agree with that. If it's not the biggest, it's definitely one of the most influential, considering what we've been seeing for the past four or five lines, give or take. Uh, BotCon's huge, too. I mean, there's been a lot of stuff that's I'd, happened. I'd say the loss of BotCon is the biggest disappointment of the decade, probably. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, regardless of how we feel about who, the who ran BotCon, the, I mean, the convention itself. The is, unex- it, it was a unexpected loss. disappointment. Yeah. And I guess tied in with that would be the lack of anything to really replace it other than T I mean TFCon, we all we always have fun at TFCon, but it's not the same. It's not it's not the same because officially you could get stuff that TFCon just can't pull off. Yeah. Hasbro ended BotCon and did not replace it with anything themselves that has persisted and even HasCon is only like tangentially a replacement. I think they if wanted, it ever happens again. Yeah, I think they wanted HasCon to be the replacement, but having gone to it, it's not. It's nothing like BotCon. It's yeah. nothing at all like BotCon. It was fun. It was it was never going to be anything like BotCon. I mean it's not like BotCon. It's not like replacing BotCon was their uh, primary uh, idea. But I do think HasCon being in the back of their mind or at the forefront of their mind is one of the reasons that they had no problem ending that relationship with FunPub. Yeah. Well, it's it's just the fact that, I mean, we are getting something akin to that through Hasbro Pulse. As far well, not Pulse itself, but Hasbro in general, doing the select stuff, which we all, which I think all of us would agree that a lot of that we could see as being BotCon exclusives if it was still going on. And if yeah, and that's that's if you're looking at this from just a toy perspective. But I mean, BotCon is way more than toys. If nothing else, yeah, we're talking about I panels. About it. I was thinking the loss of BotCon was a big thing in terms of how the fandom interacts with yes. each other and just. Yeah. The general landscape of where the fan community is at now. I mean, they're they're doing a lot when it comes to reveals. They're doing more now, I think, than that BotCon's gone uh, because they have one less convention to try to squeeze big news into. So they're doing little news and like medium-sized con, you know conventions, and then big news and like the big two or three conventions of the year. Then of course Toy Fair. The the thing about BotCon is you you lose the face to face time with you know the Hasbro team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because TFCon is not a, an officially licensed convention. Yeah, I mean, you, fine. You wouldn't go to TFCon and stand next to the upcoming merchandise display cases and just, you know, off the cuff talk to Mark Weber for forty five minutes about literally nothing. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So another like the big I think monumental change though is just the the fact that we've gone to a different design team that's really focused on G one uh, and. Uh, I it, it was a little rocky, I guess, to begin with, but there was growing pains for sure. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, especially with the simplification of the uh, designs and the transformations and all that stuff. Well, yeah. okay, so like a lot of that happened before the Warden team came into effect, because uh, a lot of the downsides and simplification came around the 2011-2012 toy line period. Um, no, the Warden team started in late 2014. That's when the first of their stuff started to hit retail, and that was Roadbuster and Whirl. Um, their first full lines, though, would be Combiner Wars and Robots in Disguise 2015. And, you know, again, it's it's been eh, hit or miss, mostly hit, but... Uh, it it is it is a lot different. It's 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 so much different. Like um, oh gosh, I, we got we got some deep cuts back when we, Aaron was running we, things. Yeah, we get a lot of deep cuts now. But we get oh yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, I, I have just, I got three power dashers this year. I mean, come yeah, on, it's <laughs> uh, but yeah. So like, I don't know. Maybe maybe the changeover to Warden's team isn't as big as as I thought. If it, it feels big, but. It's it's in a way it's very it's still very comparable. It has to be comparable to to the old regime. Otherwise, Hasbro wouldn't have them in place. I don't. Know, I mean, but, but but you're right. I mean, don't go back on what you said. You're right. I mean, we wouldn't have never got my favorite line, which was Titans Return. If if uh, Aaron Archer was still in charge, I I I love Aaron Archer. I talk to him all the time. You know, when we go to conventions, he's a great guy. I just really love the Titan Master series and I you know I love that we still get Titan Masters thrown into these new lines like we just got Ape Face even though you know it wasn't the best figure but we With got Ape it Face. they're Wait, still no. continuing that Headmaster theme throughout you know some of the lines so yeah, we know Snapdragon's coming up yeah and we get the same five characters plus a couple deep cuts over and over again yeah but I mean how long can that actually, I, I guess maybe this is a loaded question. How long can that sustain or keep going as the, until it ends m- the main modus operandi well, I'm for the retailers though. I mean, we've always said like, that's, that's not even the design yeah. team. Like yeah, they I, know I the design team for that. Like, yes, they keep yeah. making Optimus prime, but that's because that's what people want because they have the time sells, you know, to counter that this new design team makes freaking, Rainmaker three packs and power yeah. dashers. Well, yeah, but the other thing too is that for every line that comes out, that's some kid's first Transformers line that needs to be represented. Prowl's not that important. Core characters, maybe not Prowl, but you know, not that important. On Bumblebee, you know, those kind of things need to be in there for every kid who's just coming into Transformers. When Aaron then. was running things, we got Optimus Prime every year and Megatron every year, but we also got like Hot Shot and, and new things made Hot in new characters. With just Bumblebee again, but well, new, yeah, but new characters. We're Maybe. getting a rung. I mean, does that count for anything? I got a rung today. Yeah, <laughs> I, got, I got my second rung today. But uh, I don't know. It's like two rungs make a right, Brian. <laughs> but you know, but in, in the old in the olden days, in when I was when I was a wee lad, uh, okay. you know, tr- Transformers. It was something at least something semi new and original. It felt like all the time instead of literally just the same story yeah. over and over again. It was 1984. Yeah, we we got. An Optimus Prime in 1984 and didn't get another one until, what, 1988? Yeah, that was great. Yeah. I mean, what do you think of about course, it? There was, say- also, there was also a cartoon to, you know, support new characters all the time. Yeah. You know, kids kids knew what they were getting. So Yeah. It's, it's, sort, of, it's sort of a frustrating 
ball that we're getting we're getting really great figures for the most part. We're getting some deep yes. cuts, but we're we're paying quote unquote for the deep cuts by getting the same core figures over and over again. So it's hey, like I finally got a good iron hide at the deluxe price point. Okay. Oh, yeah. oh, by the way, this seems like a good time to mention we got a listing today for an Earthrise Voyager Megatron. Ooh, well, because of course we did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, see, that that actually surprises me. It's a Voyager? Yeah. See, because, I mean, what are you going to do other than make it a tank? Submarine. Oh, <laughs> I keep asking for that submarine Megatron. Well, so that would be we'll awesome. Talk around on the next regular episode of RFC, but since we're talking about you know recycling or not recycling, but you know keep continually refreshing core characters, it just seemed like a time to mention this happened. So yeah. if they ever do a submarine Megatron, I'm just gonna have to like you know like wipe my hands off and been like, that's it, I'm out, folks. I did everything I can do. But with Optimus, <laughs> I hope you guess know, Megatron. Being at a, being at the leader price point though with Optimus, but it's going to be the robot is the 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 cab. Uh, Voyager makes sense for Megatron if he's going yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. Well, there, you can't really. Feel, I mean, what would you add on to Megatron to beef him up to a leader class size? Yeah. You shouldn't. Well, and, and Prime. Well, probably, I agree. Yeah, and Prime probably needed to be leader just because of the trailer. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. So I'm so I mean, if Voyager Megatron as a if he's going to be a tank or something else like that then he'll have the mass anyway as a Voyager just to be equal to leader Optimus because all of Optimus's leader crap is in the trailer. So, yeah, you know, actually, if we're talking about this anyway, what you do for leader Megatron is you pull a shockwave and instead of battleship parts, it's parts to turn whatever, quote unquote, not a gun, the Voyager core Megatron figure turns into into something that looks kind of like a tank. Yeah, well, I mean, like, it, do that the same way again, and yeah. you get both kind of things out of it. Anyway, let's go back to talking about the decade. Yeah. So, uh, what other what other major earth shaking uh, developments happened? That I guess the the rise of China when it comes to uh, Transformers movies, or the rise of and, China in general. Yeah. I mean, you could say third uh, third party was really boosted. The in, rise and fall of third party, all in one decade. Yeah. Yes, I don't know if it fell yet, but it, it's it's, it's 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 falling. It's definitely, it's definitely contracted. Yeah, it's now, majorly I think contracted. Still a strong no, well, presence. It's gliding with style. I mean, I know you guys don't want to get too far in the third party, but I, that that. I mean, at one mentioned. point, at one point, John did the math. There was like 130 third party companies making stuff. There's like or at least 130 different names for the five people who were yeah, actually yeah, doing like, it. It's like three companies now doing stuff. That no, it's more than that. It's, it's probably that. There's probably like there are probably, a hand, there are a handful of like recognizable names and a whole bunch of people that do like one or two projects. And, and you know, yeah. we used to so talk that actually have consistent output. I think probably make it just into the low double digits, but ultimately it's better because you get more consistency within that range, and you kind of you're not having a bunch of off the wall repetition, even though people do keep trying a little bit, but they just disappear. So, but you know, uh, Oh yeah. Have you seen, we're getting more Predacons. Yeah. It used to, so uh, it used to be, it used to be that we had so much third party news that we would get complaints on it, but you know, we talk about what, what there is. So there's a, for half, a period, there's a, pe- there's a period of time. You remember when we dedicated like one episode a month, to third party basically. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and, and now there's like maybe one news item every three weeks worth talking about. It's it's not yeah 
Well, I mean, to be to be fair, Fans Toys announced all their stuff like five years ago, and we're still waiting for the actual true. releases to catch up. This is true. <laughs> Every once in a while, they throw a new uh, release in uh, at TFCon, and then we wait another two years for that. Yeah. But like, we do have the the Fans Toys and X Transbots and DX Nine and Magic Square and stuff like that. We you know, we do have some Legends some big sellers. Big, yeah, some some big yeah. sellers as companies, so I wouldn't say you know third parties dead yet. Yeah, but but all, it is it has contracted. All the interesting stuff's moved to legend scale, which is not a bad thing. It's it's amazing how far the legends in the, that 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 size that size class across the board. No matter which one you're thinking of, it's still the same basic class of figure on how they've come in the past five years, let alone That's ten. Cool. Yeah, we've I mean, got. Three different companies sustaining themselves on legend on the Legends class: Iron Factory, DX Nine, for the most part, and Magic. Well, it's mostly, oh, it's mostly Legend scale stuff and and masterpiece stuff. Chug kind of died. What else do you have to talk about? Toys R Us. Yeah, Toys R Yeah, Toys R Us. That's a big one. Yeah, um, that's sad though. It is. It's it like, was industry shaking at the at the it time. It is. I, 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 I honestly didn't expect that, considering how infrequently I shopped at Toys R Us. But it really did make a huge difference when it comes to you know retail for Transformers. Well, you know, look at look at it like this: we lost Toys R Us, but look at the other stores. Walgreens has has started expanding. GameStop is getting a whole lot more stuff than they used to carry. Yeah, GameStop not in the best shape, though. I know. Yeah. Oh, well done. Don, I, know, I don't know if you've been around uh, or you've seen the news lately, uh, but Walgreens is closing stores. Uh, GameStop, the GameStops that I go in, they have shrunk their collectibles section. Well, see, uh, my, mine has expanded. That, so that, that's the basis that I'm GameStop going on. GameStop was also shopping around for interested buyers. Buyers, to- yeah. Right, right. Take but, on some of the company. So, like, there's, there's, there's definitely been reactions to Toys R Us shutting down that include some retailers expanding their toy presence more than they otherwise would have. But, like, it's certainly, it's certainly no substitute for what Toys no, R Us. No, 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 it's not enough to make up no, for the loss of Toys R Us. No. So, my but, Walmart has expanded. It seems like it's expanded its toy aisle. My Target has absolutely expanded its toy aisle. Oh yeah. Well, over to Electronics Brian for Target, they have that whole that too ne- that that whole NECA section, and even in Walmart back Walmart's in Electronics, too. they they have that same kind of video game tie-in Pokemon. Yeah, mine section doesn't, back- but a neighboring Target, pardon me, a neighboring Walmart. I was in a couple of days ago, and I was shocked at like all the 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 nerdy stuff. It's crap that I don't buy, like NECA toys and stuff like that. But uh, but it's still you know it's still pretty cool that they you know have that. Uh, friend of mine told me he saw the uh gundam death scythe at his local target which is that wave two of those gundam figures which is oh, like gundam universe i forgot that existed yeah yeah but um good job yeah. <laughs> but yeah it's no it's, it's no replacement but at least collectors are getting i don't, get, I don't even care about collectors i mean just like <laughs> It's just Hasbro. Yeah, the industry that we need to. It's the industry, Hasbro in general. Like it's it was it was a major hit to them. I mean, as a collector, go ahead. Toys R Us was basically the the death of. I I don't want to say the death of Hascon because I still hope it's going to come back in some capacity. But it was it was definitely the pause. Really, I I haven't thought about that that way. What do you mean? 
What's that? I haven't thought about it that way. Like, what do you mean by that? Uh, that's right. When everyone was taking losses because Toys R Us oh. was closing, that they, uh, you know, postponed Hascon. Didn't help because that's an expense for them. I'm yeah. sure. Uh, absolutely. So they, they, that's what kind of put that that whole Hascon thing on hold. You're probably there's there's probably truth to that. Yeah, it would make sense. Yeah, uh, Hascon easy extra expenditure to cut so there went 2019 i mean yeah so uh, amazon has been a big booster when it comes to uh you know additional product but like i don't know i really don't think that amazon is a replacement because when you look at like amazon will show you how much inventory they have oftentimes they'll say 20 more in stock like of a certain item mm-hmm. and you know 20 that's like a couple cases do you think do you think Toys R Us just had a couple cases in inventory. No, if they had what a thousand stores, sure, they had you know two thousand cases. So as awesome as Amazon is on the you know collector side, on the Hasbro side, it's 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 nowhere near a replacement yeah, for all quantities in at once of a lot of this stuff. Yeah, which you know it's that it's a, that's another challenge. Uh, let's see here. So I, I mentioned China. Uh, I, I think China has had the biggest impact so far. Uh, in the movies, uh, the last night and uh, Age of Extinction um, had a lot of um, influence uh, on them uh, in trying to uh, bring them into the, the the Chinese you know movie market. Make them more make them more accessible make to more Chinese accessible. audience. Yeah, there you, that's that's exactly the words I was reading for. You're exactly right. Um, also, but, trying to pay some of the bills. Yeah, true. Yeah, but. Um, <laughs> But even above that, like there's been a way more Hasbro Asia stuff uh, that we've seen over the last five or ten years. Think back to 2012 when uh, the GDO generation stuff came out. That was like the first time yes. you with the idea of, well, there's these Transformers toys. They're being made for Asia. We probably won't get them. Of course, then Toys R Us picked them up as exclusives. But there was a span of a few months there where we were really thinking, how are we going to import some of this stuff? Because I needed that wheelie made from jazz. Yeah, I love that toy. Like it's really grown from that starting point. But so, like uh, when it comes to um, Asia now, I mean, we have our—is it? It's our first Asia or probably China-specific Transformer series and potential toy line. I mean, there's definitely some level of toy line with that. Yeah, Transformers Asia, and it looks like fun. I want—I want the toys, and I want to be able to watch it. So, and I mean, that's just the first one. I'm sure it won't be the last. No, probably not. And with Japan sort of now just mirroring what we already do, it it is kind of nice to have some sort of overseas option kind of going back to what we had before. It's different. It's not the same thing, but uh, that's pretty cool. The change in situation with Japan really has been something this past decade also because, like, Transformers has been a really up and down thing for Japan for many years. It's not just limited to this decade, but we had like a really high point with their Legends series where they were taking all of our generation stuff and making it a lot nicer in most cases and then getting us to spend double on it to reimport it. Um, but at, you know, after Transformers Adventure ended, Transformers for Japan really seemed to kind of tighten down. And that's when Takara started just straight importing what Hasbro was doing. Like there's no real distinction between the lines anymore. And it feels like a big loss, but 
I guess for comparison, we need to look back to the early 2000s and when there was no Transformers, when Takara was doing other transforming robot lines instead. So we're almost at that point again because Takara is diversifying out of Transformers a fair bit, but they're still kind of keeping it going just on the momentum of what Hasbro is doing. It's it's a big shift from where we were just a few years and, ago. But at that point here in, in, in the U.S., we had like five Transformers lines on the shelf at one time. Or it felt like so we had at that point uh that was what right before armada so we had um like the remaining stuff from like robots in the skies uh we had uh universe we had uh, armada came before universe was it before universe yeah okay i gosh i keep i keep wanting to put universe like it 2002 2003 alternators uh, Universe was about 2003, but Armada started in 2002. Oh, okay. So it, but but there was a, yeah, there's a period of time though when we had a ton of stuff. Yeah, Alternators was was in that mix too. Best uh, line ever. No. <laughs> 2004, 2005 ish for that, I think. Yeah. But there was just a ton of stuff back then. You know, now it's. Yeah, it was there was there was a lot. Like and there's there is honestly, now too, really, but. Honestly, there was too much Transformers stuff for a pre-movie franchise. Yeah. Uh, the movies. The decline of the movies. I mean, at the beginning of the decade, we thought the movies would be a... Ne- well, maybe we didn't think it was going to be a never-ending cash cow. But uh, Age of Extinction, while it didn't do gangbusters in the U.S., it did really well in China. Uh, and The Last Night, though, just was kind of a... It a get, flop everywhere. It was more or less a flop everywhere. Yeah. So... I, honestly, I kind of find that heartening because, you know, you can only turn out crap and people will buy it for so long. So, yeah, Bumblebee, like quality wise, bounced back from that very well. And even relative to its budget, made quite a bit of money. But for popular perception, damage is done. Damage is done. Sadly. Yeah. So uh, we, I guess big news and everything. We, I, I think we really, really dug into that. I want to talk about some more of the like superlatives from the, the last uh, decade. Uh, I wanted to talk about toys and not my favorite toy, but I think the toy to me that sort of exemplifies the last decade is uh, MP10, Optimus Prime. Uh, I agree. It, it's a really good Optimus Prime, maybe the best Optimus Prime masterpiece we've ever had. Uh, but it's just been so darn prolific when it comes to uh, – anything i mean when takara needs like a uh, an exclusive uh, they'll <laughs> throw it throw a deco on it and sell it and yeah how many times has that been redecoed enough Absolutely. enough for 7-eleven to get one in don, japan it got the best one ever i'm so jealous of don for that <laughs> and ghostbusters which is very similar to the 7-eleven one but yeah. it's not the 7-eleven yeah. and, yeah. and i i need the 7-eleven one it's so bad yeah it's uh i mean Literally, that toy was our opt- our main Optimus Prime for what the whole decade almost. It came out in what 2012 ish, 2011, yeah. 2012. Yeah, so yeah, it was the Optimus Prime of a decade. Uh, and you know, it's it's and a lot of people still prefer it over MP44. Most it, people, is, I would it say, it is still my masterpiece, Optimus Prime. I prefer it aesthetically over MP44. Hell, I have MP44, and I would still call it my masterpiece, Optimus Prime, over MP44. <laughs> I I just I I don't know. Uh, I mean, you know, as far as far as the the last ten years, you know, I finally got my RC, my Headmaster RC. You did, yeah, finally. But do you, you feel know. satisfied though with that? Because it's not like it's a, an original <sighs> RC. I mean. 
if I if I don't if, if you call, squint if you well, squint it's close enough. If he doesn't ever get another headmaster RC, it'll do. I think it's right. What he's trying to I say. mean, well, I, I was talking in the chat with everybody. I can see RC being fifty. To me, that makes kind of a uh, that makes a kind of sense to me. A big character, not really expecting it. Fiftieth figure in the line, and even though they could do it as a headmaster with with, with two different head options. Because you could always just have regular RC and Daniel driving in the exosuit, so you wouldn't have to have him as a headmaster. But if that doesn't ever come to pass, and I've got animated RC, and I've got this RC, I'm good. But I would like to see them do a Masterpiece RC, just to give everybody either movie RC, Season 3 RC, or Rebirth RC, so that way they can choose. Uh, My toy of the decade uh, is also a Masterpiece, and it is... It's the one toy that made me eat my words more than anything else. Like when we, when we saw the first promo images of this thing, I hated it. Masterpiece Ironhide. Like I spewed so much bile and venom every time we talked about it (laughs) from what BotCon 2015, when we knew when we found out it was a thing and nothing, as soon as I got my hands on it, complete 180, like my opinion changed. And no toy has turned me around as quick as Masterpiece Ironhide. Yeah, I don't think any of us are really kind to Masterpiece Ironhide uh, before it came out. I specifically remember saying they should go back to the drawing board. Well, and from those from those pictures that they produced for it, um, you know, I, I don't think you were wrong based on that. Because <laughs> there was that odd little period there where they just could not seem to produce a flattering photo of their most expensive Transformers toys. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, he's not perfect. Like, there are things I wish they had gone. Like, you know, he still has some windows on his forearms and his, his um, those red panels on his thighs. But, I mean, the positives way, way outdo the negatives. I fixed those panels, by the way. I reviewed it, too. <laughs> oh, you got uh, somebody's add-on kit, right? Yeah, I got the Shadow Fisher add-on kit for that that fixed everything. I did it on Ironhide and Ratchet because it makes it, like, in my mind, a hundred times better. Yeah, I kind of remember that. And we were all together, too, and that toy was announced. I think that sort of, uh, I think we amplified our thoughts early on. Maybe not, but that was, what, 2015? I, I remember none of us were happy. None of us were happy. I mean, I was probably mostly indifferent, because that's just me and Masterpiece in general. Chris, what's your toy of the decade? Ah, oh, you're going to hate me. Because rather than observe a toy of the decade, I've decided to record my decade in toys by choosing one toy that stands out for each of the past 10 years. Uh, I I don't hate that. I love that. Well, you'll hate it because it's going to take a minute. Um, (laughs) So starting from 2010, I don't think anybody's going to be surprised that I chose Reveal the Shield Jazz as the toy of that year. No, no no surprise. That's a hands down Um, winner. And so as I was thinking about this, though, the thing that got me was. If they made an Earthrise Jazz this year, I actually think we're back at a point again with where the design team is that they could make a toy that might compete with that for me for, like, top spot for an Autobot car transformer. Like, Reveal the Shield Jazz could be dethroned by a theoretical Earthrise Jazz. I have that much confidence right now. Well, but, well, Chris, yeah, Reveal the Shield Jazz has been my long-standing, like, one of my best toys, and it's definitely the toy of 2010 for me. Yes, Don? Could they reuse that jazz in Earthrise? Would it be too far off the uh, the oh, aesthetic? Well, it's too far off in budget. Um, yeah, okay. 
so you may recall um, in 2014, we originally got like a little thumbnail size promo image of uh, Generations Nightbeat, which was going to be a retool of that jazz. But yeah. then it was a retool of the the Camaro-ish Bumblebee toy. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Uh, which was a result of that jazz did not fit into production budget in 2014, and it damn well wouldn't oh, now be retail price. Okay. So 2011, my toy of that year, uh, this may be a little bit of a surprise, Power Core Combiner's Undertow. Um, that's a toy probably a lot of people have forgotten about. It's the uh, oh. little gun oh, Power Core Combiner you, Scout. I love Power it. Power Core Combiner is still it. coming out in 2011? I checked the wiki. That was the uh, release year they had for that. So. Well, I thought I thought it basically came and went in 2010. Well, take it up with the wiki. I mean, this is my list. I, be- I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> Undertow is a good uh, toy. You have to remember, too, that last wave of Power Core Combiners had a tough-as-hell time to actually get to any yes. outlet. Uh, because wave two or three, I forget, was a straight recolor wave, and that just sat and sat and sat. But Undertow is probably the single best scout size toy from that line, um, which is fitting because it was the last one. And as Aaron Archer uh, explained to us quite correctly at Shardicon that year, um, that one year Shardicon existed, wave one, you're figuring it out. Wave two, things are pretty okay. You kind of got your groove on. By wave three, you you got right, but you're canceled. Um and that's pretty much what happened here, too. But, yeah, I, I love that toy. And one of the things I would really love to do at some point when I have the money and wherewithal is to uh, go back and collect the Takara versions of the Power Core Combiner molds because they're all different decos, different characters. It'd be, yeah, it'd be Yeah, it'd be a fun visit back to a really different time in the line. Well, I got, I got lucky and was able to pick up that two-pack that had the undertow and that recolored heavy tread. Oh yeah, yeah, and that and I the the actually how I got undertow also because I have that um, no not heavy tread it was um bomb shock and the recolor um, steel shot but I have that right. and I think that's why I have uh, both of those. Uh, so for 2012, my toy is the uh, Prime Robots in Disguise version Viacon. Uh, so that's not the first edition one, but the more readily available one, which had a much more interesting transformation, which is kind of why I picked it. It was really inventive at the time because almost all of the car body panels folded up and hid and tucked away in the lower legs. So you had a really clean looking robot and a really complete looking car. It was a very, it, it just has stuck with me over the years. It's one of the things that stays perpetually on my uh, desk shelves just because I like it so much, I need to keep it nearby, just like a Jazz or an Armada Optimus, which is sadly too old to make this list. But uh, moving on, uh, for 2013, it's the Fall of Cybertron Deluxe Starter Screen Mold, which, again, is something that won't surprise anybody who knows me. Um, I, I have been trying to unload my actual Fall of Cybertron Seekers, but I've still got the a couple of the Takara recolors and also the test shot one that Diecast uh, found for me on Taobao. Uh, so I'm always going to have some representations of that. It was just, it was like the best thing that came out from that line, too. Um, it was a little bit bigger, a little bit more articulated than all the other stuff. It was like the first thing that was bouncing back after the downsizing that happened after the economic downturn. And you could really tell they were putting a lot into this, knowing that they were going to get mileage out of it in the future. Uh, now, for 2014, I picked this partly because it's going to make uh, Chris Triplett cry. Uh, Cloud Rodimus is my toy for that year. <laughs> 
Because good, good while, while the stringer that it's recolored from is nice, like Cloud Rodimus is just like this really interesting thing to me because it's a little bit IDW, it's a little bit not, but like it's a Rodimus made out of an otherwise unaltered Springer toy, and that just shouldn't work, but it does so well. It, it absolutely works. That is still the Rodimus on my on my shelf yeah, for season three. It, it's brilliant and beautiful, and I love mine, and I'll never sell it. I'm looking uh, it's for mine right now. I, I see Cloud Starscream, but not Cloud Rodimus. Yeah, I have Cloud Starscream up on the shelf too. I'm, I'm happy. As with a matter of fact, it, it's still it's still my thumbnail picture on Skype. Yes, I know. I'm looking at it. It right is. Now. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's a it's just a nice bonus that Chris Triplett never got one and never will because he won't pay what it goes for. He's cheap. Yeah. Well, I mean, in a lot of ways, I can relate to that. But this was worth it. Uh, let's see, we're up to 2015 now, and I went with Combiner Wars Ultra Magnus, which I like, but yeah. it was more a case of 2015 really did not have anything particularly thrilling for me. It was the year uh, of the Combiner Wars, and it was everything was wonderful. How can you choose? I mean, that is part of the problem. There's just like so much fatigue from those molds being reused so many times. That's, uh, Matt, that's where we're going next, so keep keep keep, keep that thought in mind. <laughs> <laughs> um. But as a contrast to that, 2016, my pick is uh, Unite Warriors Computron, which was perhaps the ultimate expression of the Combiner Wars design. Hmm. Yeah, you're probably right. It well, is a really good set. But the uh, the Hasbro version, though, had the uh, improved, uh, what, feet? Yeah, it yeah. had the, the hands yeah. and feet. Um, yeah, nice fists, and it had uh, ankle rocker feet. Um, that in Victorian that year had the like specially designed hand and feet parts, which were unique to each combiner set. Uh, Computrons are better. So what I actually ended up doing was getting both the Unite Warriors and the Hasbro one and mixing and matching. So my Unite Warriors one has Hasbro hands and feet, a Hasbro afterburner, and Takara everything else, and it's my my you know perfect form Computron. And again, that's never going anywhere. That's staying with me for like. I'm going to be buried with it, probably. That and Cloud Rodimus. And the, the Reveal the Shield Jazz. Oh, boy, I'm going to need a big coffin. Uh, let's see. Uh, 2017. I'm doing two because they're essentially the same toy anyway. Uh, Titans Return, Top Spin, and Twin Twist. Um, they were probably two of the best Titans Return deluxes. And it's kind of cool how they came to be because like that was a passion project for John Morton, who's got a special affinity for the original Jumpstarters allegedly because he found one buried in his backyard mm -hmm. one day and cleaned it up and it still worked. And that was like when we really started getting, getting the weird character picks in the line too. Yeah. Like they, they were some of the earliest really deep cuts. I mean, like we, we've made the point a couple times already in this episode about the power dashers, but like when would someone have thought we would have gotten jump starter updates? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just we just keep getting deeper and deeper in here. Uh, so for 2018, again, it was one of those things where like there wasn't a lot to stand out super strongly to me. Um, so I went with the um, exclusive Nemesis Prime redeco of the Power of the Primes Optimus, um, largely on the fact of they add a lot of new stuff to it. Um, you know, calling toward uh, Armada Optimus, Armada Scourge. Uh, and also because I was thinking when we were talking about Siege Nemesis Prime, I was saying the Power of the Prime one is basically all the Nemesis Prime I should need for a long time. And if that's the case, that really could be my toy of that year because like it satisfies my need for that particular kind of toy. So 
Um, it was either that or nothing, basically. And then for 2019, we kind of covered this on uh, the year in review show, but um, Spinister, of course, is my toy of 2019. No surprise there. Yeah, and that's that's my decade in toys. That's awesome. Uh, let's see here. Uh, who else hasn't mentioned theirs? Diecast agreed with me. Well, Did, can nope. I get, can I go with a third party one and just sure. throw out a uh, Fans Toys Phoenix? As... Oh no, no shot. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> could have seen that <laughs> coming. <laughs> what about Chronos? Is Cro- could Chronos that, get like an honorable mention? Oh, <laughs> 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 so he got honored all right. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so anybody else have any other thoughts for Toy of the Decade before I move on? Okay, so I'm going to do uh, Toy Line of the Decade. Diecast, I think basically a second ago, you said that yours is Titan's Return. Yeah. Uh, Matt and I think, Matt, he and I, I think, share the same one. So, Matt, what's your Toy oh, Line of the Decade? There's absolutely no question that it's Combiner Wars. Yeah. I mean, yes, like infinite reuse of molds. There was, I, even I felt the mold fatigue at the end, mm-hmm. but I mean, look look at all the stuff we got. We, we got a an excellent superion. We got a somewhat less excellent Menasaur, but I mean, we, we got box sets. We got G2 box sets. We got, you know, unite warriors box sets. We got pretty much every combiner you can think of sort of the Seacons, which, you know, coming out for Unicron at least. Yeah. I mean, God, and, and the toys are good. Yes, they're simple, but I mean, they're all essentially triple changers and that they have to, you know, be jet robot and combiner part. And when you throw a good deco on them, you know, you absolutely like, I I wish there had been a couple more molds thrown in there, uh, a little less reuse, but like, honestly, like you stand the combaticons up on a shelf and they look magnificent together. And Bruticus was a good, a good combiner. And I, I just love everything about combiner wars. So our last podcast of the last decade, uh, as, as a whole, I think we agreed on, uh, the line of the decade at that point being Armada, not because it did everything the best, but because of how it sort of re-energized things and made Transformers fun again. I th- in a lot of ways, I think uh, Combiner Wars did the same thing. Not that Transformers, you know, not that the stuff that came before wasn't that great, but it, like, it was really a shot in the arm. Again, things weren't done perfectly, but it was definitely worth <laughs> the, the the cost of entry for uh, for uh, for what we got. Uh, Chris, what about you? This is probably going to be surprising to some people, but I'm actually um, I'm actually going to give it to Robots in Disguise 2015. It where a lot of what Transformers has been for several years is you know repeating the cycle of Optimus Megatron, etc., over and over. Robots in Disguise actually kind of broke away from that a lot more than anybody expected it could yeah. have for its first couple of years. And in a lot of ways, I think it's the closest we're probably ever going to get to having beast wars again, uh, in terms of it's a very different paradigm for a transformer series. It brings in a lot of new characters. It's more imaginative in how those characters are designed. And the weird thing is like, when I think of the lines that have come and gone, the one that I really miss the most for what it was is Robots in Disguise. And Bisque. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, it's part of the whole, it's part of, it's part of the greater whole that the Robots in Disguise line really represented. But and Grimlock, too. Man, you know, that was a great series. I, I guess I should say if I could revive one line to just pick up from where it left off and continue on from the last decade, it would be Robots in Disguise. In Strongarm? Man, that was a great series. I, yeah, gosh. 
I, I, I'm not going to pick it over Combiner Wars, but yeah, that was yeah, a lot no, of fun. No, I understand that, and like, if not for what it just, if not for what I think it represents in how Transformers is, I guess, portrayed, uh, I probably would have gone for Combiner Wars over Robots in Disguise, but Robots in Disguise just, it did something more for me. Like, those, all those Decepticon designs, too, they were just really interesting and different, and of course, I appreciate getting new characters, I'm just kind of at that point. And we got uh, some interesting stuff in Transformers Adventure out of Takara as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. That's a good one. That's a great. That's a great choice. Uh, Don, what about you? Well, I'm going to go a little bit different. Uh, I am going to go with uh, Transformers Prime because there was no line wide gimmick. They were just good looking robots based on the show models. Is that this decade? Yep. Started. It started November 29th, 2010. Oh wow! Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Again, there was uh, Prime was not perfect, but there, like I said, there was no line-wide gimmick. It was just great-looking figures that transformed well based on the show. The, the, the gimmick was they tra- they looked like the show models, and especially some of the first edition stuff like Bulkhead just looks still amazing. Oh, and Viacon too, and, and 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 like you know the Viacon. So I think Prime is one of my favorite lines because. The gimmick was just looking good and being accurate. Like plus the prime, plus the show itself. Great characters, a, a, a fan favorite interpretation of Ratchet. Everyone knows I like the kids. I like Jack Miko and Raph. There was that. Uh, but Jeffrey Combs. Everybody, yeah, everybody got some character development. There was character death. Uh, you had humans that were not idiots for the most part, actually, like Fowler. And Jack's mom, you know, they, they, they were they were real. You could believe them as being real characters, whereas the only real downside of Robots 2000, the Robots in Disguise 2015, is that the humans in that were made to look completely stupid. And it really just like you can't believe people are that gullible. And that just really turned me off. But, yeah, uh, Transformers Prime is pretty much my pick for one of the most solid lines of the decade. Yeah, it's a great choice. Let's see here. I think that covers the line of the decade. I don't really have anything else like that. I specifically want to cover like media or anything like that. I, I think media has been very iffy there. I don't think there has been anything extremely iconic outside of outside of uh, the comics. Uh, I, we haven't had an, we haven't had a Transformers animated or anything like that. That I think is really um uh, transcends what we expect out of. Uh, we haven't had reshapes. anything really universally loved. Everything yeah. is kind of divisive. Yeah, like Prime for me is very iffy. I'm not a not a big fan of the the series. It's okay. Uh, the movies, of course, have been generally pretty bad. With Bumblebee being pretty good. Uh, the comics, though, with the stuff that IDW has put out uh, when they uh, did their first sort of reboot of the universe, I think is the. Uh, the clear winner, though, when it comes to, uh, you know, fiction. Uh, and when did uh, Last Night of the Records actually come out? When was that published? Anybody remember off the top of their head? Like 2011, 2010? Um, it had to have been somewhere around there because a lot of that helped to build right into what became more than meets the eye. 2010. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think, yeah, things really just sort of started there and they – I kept getting, I mean, I'll say they kept getting better. And a lot of people think that last night of the records was the high point. I think it was, I think it was really, really good, but I, I think that it just sort of, sort of laid the groundworks. 
And I again, comics wise, some people consider the the uh, like more than meets the eye, and that to be the high point of Transformers fiction. I really like it, and I'm not going to argue with somebody who who says that it's not my. It's it's like in my top five. It's but. got some really strong points. Um, I mean, honestly, I think some of the stuff John Barber was doing in the other title, which went through several retitlings over its run, mm-hmm. uh, but started as Robots in Disguise. I think the stuff he was doing there over the longer term and bigger picture probably for me played better. Um, but like, no, both books definitely had like super strong moments and I up to a point cruised pretty well just at an idle state too. Yeah. I mean, it, I really should go back. Like I said, I had a couple years of, um, of uh, the, the middle universe after the first reboot and before the second reboot, I had a couple years. I need to go back and reread and I didn't because of the reboot, but I really should. And uh, there's a lot of stuff I need to revisit things. I didn't finish this past decade. I, I didn't finish prime. Uh, I barely started Robots in the Skies as far as the the uh, the series goes. It's probably something I should cover on um, the new RFC Throwback podcast, and I'm starting. Uh, I probably should do like um, a, maybe two or three episodes of uh, a series, watch it and review it, and sort of catch back up that way. I think I'll do that. Yeah, because the Robots in the Skies cartoon and Cyberverse really are both yeah. very. They they have got their good points too. I Cyberverse kind of surprised me because like in a lot of ways, especially with season two now, it feels a lot like a spiritual successor to the G one cartoon. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. And with the toys that we've seen uh, come out, I totally believe it. Yeah. What else? Anything else we need to cover? Anything we're missing? Uh, I mean, there's video games. I don't think video games. It's been a great decade for those. I mean, we had the uh, the High Moon Studio stuff. Wasn't that this? This decade, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, Fall of Cybertron was 2012. Yeah, yeah. Fall of Cybertron, War for Cybertron. I mean, they were they were great. Yeah, but uh, I how do I say it? Those two were really good, and then it was nothing at all after it. There was like no continuity, which you know kind of sucks. I mean, not that I expected Transformers to be like a a triple A AAA franchise for video games, but. Video games now are sort of almost a commodity. They come out every year with incremental improvements. And, you know, we haven't seen anything really good in eight years. I guess you could say Devastation, but Devastation from Platinum's not really my thing. And it's 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 well outside of of those games. But those are something those are some stuff that came out. So this might be a little inward looking, but does anybody have like a favorite memory of the podcast from the last ten years? Yes, there are two. I'll say three. I mean, I've got one that really stands out for me. You go first. I, it'll probably be the same thing. Um, Peter Van, yeah, going on a rip about Fun Pub. <laughs> no, that I, that's not that, that was not on my that list. Is, that is mine. The the Peter <laughs> smashed puny Fun Pub rant. <laughs> so I'll be honest. Magical. There there have been times over the past ten years where I've worried about potentially getting sued. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I, if I remember right, that was one where I was like, oh, I really just sort of was a little anxious about it. But uh, That's perfectly understandable, but man, that was fun. That was, that was fun to listen to. That was, uh, that was a treat. <laughs> so for me, my top three, I, I think they're going to be pretty obvious. Uh, number one, far and away, was BotCon 2012. Um, getting everybody who was there at the same time, you know, uh, Diecast wasn't here yet, and Matt wasn't here yet, but and Rob was, you know, obviously not there, but pretty much everybody else. We got to 
we got to hang out with Don really for the first time mm-hmm. uh, and spend time with JD, not knowing that that would be the last time we ever got to spend time with JD. Yeah, that was that was amazing. Um, of course, the other two also involved Don. Uh, that first that first crazy Massey attack that we were fortunate enough to get on video that I made an animated gif of. Um, I think that really, <laughs> that really colored the future of the podcast. And at the time, at the time I'm like, Oh dear God, but it's, it's, it's Don in general has been, uh, you know, just really sort of change things in ways that I didn't expect. But, uh, the, the I'm melt, Don, the melt Don <laughs> was the other one. Oh Yeah. Yeah, I, if I would have thought if I would have thought it had a little bit longer on this, I would have had to. Uh, that, so uh, I'd mentioned Patreon, and people should sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash tfradio. Um, we take I'm taking the pre and post show each week and making it a podcast, uh, but I don't have like a, a special intro or outro for it. I'm just doing it ad hoc each week, something crazy. Uh, the first one, the second one was Cold Slither, uh, but the first one... Actually, it may have been the second one, but I, I, it was like one o'clock this morning when I was doing them. But I, I used the Meltdown as the intro to one of the podcasts, and it was just a lot of fun pulling it together. <laughs> oh, this makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah, I think those are the big things. What, uh, uh, Matt, Diecast, Don, you have any favorite podcast related memories? Uh, Charticon. Yeah. When, when, I, when I fell in with you, Rowdy Bunch. And uh, been there forever. Yeah, and any time at a convention when we play the meltdown for someone in the lobby. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I miss uh, I miss uh, playing cards against humanity. That's sort of fallen off of our normal con routine. It, yeah, it's been a couple of years, but I mean, how how often are we all together? I know uh, having Don again going back to Don having Don <laughs> afraid to say certain things in front of my wife, who up until recently kept calling her ma'am. i don't get i have no idea why uh but that was that was funny uh yeah you have to understand don was raised in a different time this is true don don not refrigerating his pizza over the weekend oh i was gonna say that (laughs) uh tf con chicago 2015 so somehow this turned into not the fond memories of the podcast but just picking on don now but it's been a lot don's Don is really, uh, uh, really. He's a moment things. maker. Yeah, he is the moment maker. <laughs> I, I so I'm, say, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm Mentos. Then I'm some form of Mentos. I was that too, Don. I, I would say for me, uh, a couple fond memories. Uh, you know, podcasting, getting to podcast with JD uh, was special. Yeah, that didn't ha- that didn't last long. No, no, unfortunately, but. Um, I really I wish I I'm, I'm glad I got anymore. to uh, do a couple shows with him. God, he was great. Yeah, and I'm sure him and I could have got uh, got really rowdy uh, if if uh, things would have continued. <laughs> yeah, actually, you're right. I probably but, couldn't. I'd probably have to separate you two. I do have one other one, and I'm going to pick on Don a little bit more, but it's not. It's not bad. It's not a bad one. Uh, like everybody, everybody jokes about Don and Botcon, but. The first time I actually saw Don in the BotCon dealer room, the look of pure joy on his face, like see, seeing Don in his natural environment for the first time was was just <laughs> wonderful. Yeah, I, I don't mean to keep mentioning the Patreon, but we're just referencing things that, that fall into that 
Um, so physical swag for like the top tier. I'm going to do some bot. Con- I'm going to do uh, RSE trading cards. So I've been sort of playing with how it's going to work out. I want to have like like a headshot and then like an action shot. Don's action shot is absolutely a photo that I have of him like in the deal room, focused with the you know the eye of the tiger doing his his convention stuff. So that's you know that Don and it can Don in the deal room is you don't want to get in front of him. Just you know stay out of his way. <laughs> <laughs> Don, what's your favorite moment? Um, well, now I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> Don, what's I'll, your f- Don moment? Probably, probably when Brian asked me to, to uh, that first uh, podcast at John's place originally okay. at that BotCon and being asked to join as a regular because that, that gave me a real sense of, I guess I could say, uh, not really. I don't want to say family because we would be dysfunctional as hell. That's fine. Um, that's well, just, we're more functional than a lot of families I see. Yeah, <laughs> just just a, a, a sense of belonging with uh, people that got me and I got them. And it was right after my mom had passed away and I'd already lost dad. And it really helped me a lot out there the first year or two after uh, she passed. Um, just having people I can talk to and just be part of something and chance to make bad puns and, you know, just, you know, a, a, a just a, commu- a community of friends that I really like talking to and Doc. Yes. <laughs> I was just going to say, we love you too, Don. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and then you started two timing off with another podcast. Yes, that's true. <laughs> No, my, my love of the fandom is so big it spilled over. You know, this reminds me again more of JD stuff, but you know, with JD and his sort of crazy uh, relationship ideas, and uh, Don asked if it, this could be an open relationship. He asked for permission first before he uh, went became all polyamorous with with his podcasting. Um, so I was actually going to mention this about Don. Like, so uh, during the live stream, I have to keep things like really tight and everything. But uh, during the recording of this, there's wait, lots of stuff I'm going to have to edit out. Like, I've been, like, really short and snippy with Don. But, like, that, you know, like, if I if I have a, feel like I have a solid relationship with somebody and, you know, I can. Oh, yeah, I, I'm terrible with them. Yeah, I can, yes, I'm terrible. So, uh, like, Kim just has, like, the thickest skin when it comes to this stuff. But, like, if, yeah. So, like, I've been short and snippy and downright mean to Don a little bit tonight. But that's just because, damn it, Don, I love you. So. Well, this is, is love. Like, I hate to see hate. <laughs> is it bad that like you just can't tell the difference, Brian? No, it's it's it's, it's pretty normal. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's it's been a it's been a good decade. It really has, except for of course losing JD. That was oh, uh, yeah, that devastating. Was yeah, that was terrible, and it still is terrible. Yeah. Like there there's rarely a day that goes by that I don't think of JD at some point. Yeah, I, I literally talk to him every day. Like I don't talk to anybody every day except for my wife. Uh, but I literally talked to JD every single day, and you know that just all of a sudden ended. Well, one of one of my one of my fondest memories in general, not of just RFC, is him and Fort Max and the directions. Oh that, yeah, from Superhero Time. Yeah, yeah, that. Okay, but like, there's there's that, but there's also JD and Fort Max in person together at BotCon. Yeah, trying to get Fort Max's attention, and just Fort Max would not cooperate and wasn't it jd and uh, yeah the Th- themiscaria high yes when, when he when Thimble he versus. was uh, on the cw 
it was like I would love to be able to find that, listen to that one more time if I could find it. Well, just start going back and listening to every episode of Fanboy Versus, and eventually you'll find it. Yeah, I've not been able to. Uh, I've not been able to find it. So that's. I mean, it has to be in there somewhere. It's just a matter of like you know taking the months to track it down. By track it down, I mean painstaking listen to every single episode until you find it. Yeah, because that's about all that's left to do at this point. That's true. Okay, cool. Anything else? I think we've covered it. That's like the decade. Yeah, I mean, I got other things I wanted to mention. Uh, Peter blowing up about Fun Pub, uh, my 10 toys. Uh, that's about it, yeah. Hey, uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and plug it uh, one more time. Uh, we started the Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash tfradio. Uh, we have three tiers. Go and look at it. If you're interested in joining up, that'd be awesome. If not, uh, it's not going to change anything. Uh, we're not going to take things away if you're not a patron. That's uh, been my goal with this. But uh, for this podcast, uh, it not being time sensitive, patrons will get it a few days early, but then it'll be in the regular podcast feed. Until we hit 100 patrons, we're not going to have any truly exclusive Patreon content. But once, if we ever hit 100 patrons, there is going to be a Patreon-exclusive podcast, and you'll have to be a patron to get it. So, But we're not taking that away from you. We just might not give it to you. So, patreon.com slash tfradio. Follow us on Twitter at TF Radio. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash TF Radio. Uh, if anybody else has any plugs, plug away. Otherwise, I'm going to go to Target, one Target now, and look for another rung. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at ChrisRTXV personally or at Play With Photos. Uh, follow me on Instagram at instagram.com slash playwithphotography. Playwithphotography.com is where my photo galleries, guides, and other toy photography related articles and such and general nonsense go. Um, if you like what I do uh, and want to show some support or help me do more of it, you can pledge to my Patreon at patreon.com slash playwithphotos for as little as $2 per month, or come in at the $5 level, get some credit on future galleries, uh, and get early access to many of the new galleries that go up. Oh, and also I have an Amazon wishlist at tfradio.net slash chrislist, which helps to keep the lights on for the podcast with every purchase. Yes, absolutely. Cool. Don, how do people, how do people get a hold of you? Uh, I can be reached on Twitter at HMRC, the number four EVR. Uh, just follow me for bad puns, random thoughts, results of me trying to remove McAfee from my computer and the subsequent, you know, failure of the, how that was going to end up. Uh, so just, you know, follow my Twitter and you might be mildly entertained. Diecast. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Diecast. Two, and you can also follow me on Facebook at Reviews by Diecast and check out all of my reviews on tfradio.net slash reviews. Awesome. Sweet. We'll see you later. Have a good one. Come <laughs> on.